Happy Thursday, everyone. This is a throwback Thursday edition of the Truth Talks podcast. I hope you enjoy. Take care. Hello, and welcome to Kidicism, where we do catechisms for kids. I'm Rowan. I'm Rafi. And I'm Juana. So here we go. question is, why are you to glorify God? I know why. Because he made me and takes care of me. Hold on, how do you know that? Well, in Psalms, it's laid out for us. Here's one way it's said. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's Psalms 23. Verse 1 through 3. And in chapter 139, it says in verse 13 through 16, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet were was none of them. So we're not accidents? Nope. God formed us for his glory and takes care of us. Let's pray. God, thank you for making us, and thank you for letting us be your creation. Amen. Thanks, and tune in next time for another catechism. Hope you learned something today. Bye-bye. This is Truth. Thank you all for tuning in to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Welcome back. We are back in it. This is the question and answer. Uh, a couple of questions and many, many answers is what we're dealing with. And the preaching or teaching elder is here with us. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming back. Uh, even though I'm trying to stump you, you still come back and you still try to answer the questions. Just here to serve, brother. Just want to help us all grow. And uh, as I'm growing myself, it's a, it's a, it is a blessing to grow in yeah. the grace and the knowledge of Christ. There's no greater joy in this world than to walk in the truth. Yeah. Really yeah. isn't. Yeah. And this is actually a continuation of the last two podcasts that we have. The first one uh, in this series of questions, we actually talked about uh, the role of women in the church. And I want to uh, make sure that I'm clear about what we were talking about. We yeah. weren't talking about the degradation of any women. Not at all. Uh, but we were also definitely talking about uh, their value, uh, but also where God has placed them and where God has placed men. I so, would dare say that uh, nobody, um, is no church will defend the value and worth and um, uh, dignity of women more than we would. Mm-hmm. That's and I, good. And I would say that to my dying day. I, mm-hmm. I, I I would put that up against anybody. Yeah. No one will defend the dignity of women more than as a pastor than I would. Good. Yeah. Or yeah. our church. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying that at all. Yeah, good. 
Um, so coming out of that, we also started to talk about uh, God's love mm. and, uh, well, the biblical view of God's love and how it pertains to the gospel. Mm. Uh, the gospel, um, I had a, a discussion with the gentleman on Facebook, and basically he uh, he actually, <laughs> I'll put it out there like this, he actually told me that my, uh, my gospel was divergent. Mm-hmm. And by uh, doing that, it was... Uh, <laughs> basically my gospel was false. Yeah. And with that uh, being the case, the the gospel, he said, started off with God's love. Yeah. Last time you were saying that gospel, the gospel does include God's love. For but, sure. Uh, that question. Yeah, but that's a result of uh, after we understand uh, God's wrath and yeah. uh, him well, having... Go yeah, ahead. so God is, God is all loving, just mm-hmm. as he's all sovereign, just as he's all all holy, all justice, um, all merciful, um, uh, totally immutable, uh, totally transcendent, utterly omnipotent, omniscient. He's all of these attributes at the same time, mm-hmm. right? He's And they never play off one another, meaning many people have this view of God that's totally unbiblical and heretical in many ways, where God is 50% uh, love and 50% wrath, you know, and they balance each other out. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a totally demented view of God. The Bible doesn't teach that. He's 100% a God of justice. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's a God of love. And so uh, those things don't contradict. In the, He's jealous, right? Mm-hmm. I think we spent uh, many weeks in our men's Bible study talking about the, jeal- the jealous love. I remember titling our lessons that way, the mm-hmm. jealous love of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, those things don't contradict in the character of God, not at all. Wait, so, wait. God's love isn't reckless. Yeah, there you go. We don't. We don't even. We don't even. We don't even want to open that Pandora's box. That's a joke. But anyway, um, no. Uh, so it's it's not that the gospel isn't born out of love. It is. Mm-hmm. It is in every way. It's the most. It's the most loving act we have ever known and ever will know. Is the gospel. My point is, you you struggle to start there with clarity, uh, and what I think I think the wording I might have used last time was. You will always pervert the love of God if you don't see it through the lens of his holiness and his justice and his wrath. Mm -hmm. Because in our hearts, our hearts are perverted anyway, depraved, we're sinful, we're deceived, we're wicked, we're selfish to the core apart from Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what history has proven. That's that's what we know to be true, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is when we start looking at God through the prism of our view of love, it's always going to be perverted. It's mm-hmm. always going to be diminished. It's always going to be less than what it really is. So that's why you've got to trace the storyline of the gospel as the Bible teaches us. And that's why I think it's helpful to start in Genesis. It's helpful to see the character of God as great creator, that he created everyone for a purpose to worship him, everyone for the purpose to know him and and to enjoy his love. That's why he created us. And, but we have spurned that love. We have turned away from that love. We have turned away from his purpose. That's why it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of giving him the glory he's due. We fall short of the glory that he's created us to give back to him in serving him. And therefore, we sin. Um, we are all sinners. And so, yeah, that's what I mean by it doesn't help to start with the love of God um, and because... Uh, 
John 3.16 starts there in that sense. That verse is pulled out of context all the time. Mm-hmm. But John 3.16 is in the New Testament, mm-hmm. comes thousands of years later after we have Genesis 1 and 2. There's mm-hmm. a lot in between there that yeah. honestly has to be seen to rightfully understand the gospel clearly. Yeah. And so we want to parachute into John 3.16, and it's like, well, be careful. We better understand the Day of Atonement because you can't really understand the gospel in a in a in a clear way without understanding the day of atonement and what was God was dis- describing there and defining there about his holy character mm-hmm. and how there had to be death for sin to be atoned for mm-hmm. and that it was serious and it's like you know um yes so that's where your gospel presentation uh really if it's going to be clear and helpful has to always start with God yes you can say he's he, he's a he's a loving God in a benevolent way and and uh, I just think you got to focus on his holiness and his sovereignty, meaning he is the creator of all, and then show man in the fact that he is a sinner. Because take the book of Romans, right? The book of Romans does the same thing, mm-hmm. right? It starts out with what? God's holiness in, in Romans chapter 1, right. and God's justice and man's sin, right? Mm-hmm. You, don't get to, you, don't, you, you don't get to God's love until really chapter 3 with the with propitiation and mm-hmm. justification that's all by God's grace. Mm-hmm. Even there it starts out with the fact of Romans one eighteen, the wrath of God has been poured out on man. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, well, that was really my question. Um, the, the next question, uh, it really is about um, who we are. Yeah. And the, the problem is, I think, uh, what I've seen uh, with a lot of people that talk about God or talk about the gospel is that we are put on a pedestal yeah. as far as uh, human beings. Totally. We're, we're put on a pedestal. Um, and uh, it, it comes from the idea that we are, uh, you know, the, a lot of people will pull out of the Bible, you know, we're a royal priesthood. You know, we are, you know, we are great, you know, people if we follow Christ. And, you know, it, it always pulls these, you know, these mm-hmm. I am statements like uh, mm-hmm. your, the, 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 the famous pastor, Joel Olstein, and I use the word pastor loosely. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where you have people putting man on a pedestal and making God basically the, the genie. Yeah, and the 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 answer or the or the wish. Yeah, you know. uh, you're you're exactly right. Uh, uh, we at Belcroft strive for a high view of God and a humble view of man because mm-hmm. that's what the Bible teaches mm-hmm. very clearly. But most of our well, all of our world is opposite. Has a very low view of God and an extremely exalted view of man. Mm-hmm. Most churches have that. They don't know it but you can see it in their worship and their preaching and in their ministry. They view uh, all of ministry through the prism of man, which that's the high view of man versus the proclamations of God. So the sad reality is, yes, the gospel is grounded in love. It is displayed through love. It is declared in love. The problem is we are so depraved and we are so perverted in our mental state of thinking we do not understand love. We mm-hmm. don't. And I'm, I'm convinced of this even in our churches. We have an unbiblical view of love. We have an, uh, an ungodly view of love born out of what you just said. We have a very self-centered view of love because we've learned love from Hollywood mm-hmm. and from the world, not from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. When you see what love truly is, you realize really quickly it is not 
anything we see in the world or anything we learn from the world. And most of us, our definition of love is is totally worldly. Well, what is love? What so, is the biblical so, view well, of love? So, so if you're evangelizing somebody and and you start out and you're driving the point about how much God loves them, which, again, there's there's truth in that in the sense of they have their breath because of God being kind to them. They have clothes on them. They have food that they eat. It's all from God. Mm-hmm. Even the wicked, right, are graciously cared for by God. So I'm not saying that that's wrong, but understanding the mindset of the world, why, well, and I've had people say this, well, if God loves me, then I'm, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good response if you're a wicked unbeliever, right? That makes sense to me. Well, it, God loves me, great. Thank you. Right. And I move on, right? And so that's where it gets confusing because our world's view of love is not, you know, a Christian is saying that and means something different, but the people hearing it, they're not hearing what the Christian is saying when they say, you know, hey, God loves you, which is, again, true mm-hmm. in its general sense and his benevolence. But the unbelievers, they're hearing, oh, great, I'm good to go. Right. Right. And right. so uh, so it's just got to be wise. Um, now, you ask, what is the biblical you know, definition of love? Well, we were in 1 John 4, and I think at the end of the day, love, love is counting the other person as, as uh, uh, better than yourself, as more important than yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is what the gospel shows, that God took his one and only son mm-hmm. and gave his son for for his enemy not not i mean the elect for sure right and the chosen ones for sure but even in that elect state they were still his enemies right mm-hmm. it's what romans 5 8 says god mm-hmm. loved us while we were yet sinners he sent his son to die for us mm-hmm. right romans 8 9 and 10 it was while we were hating god mm-hmm. that he he helps us most in sending his son that's the definition of love as a matter of fact love does its best work when the other person is at their worst mm-hmm. now now take what i just said there cuz that's straight out of scripture right. by way of paraphrasing right the gospel the gospel is God's greatest demonstration of love is when we were at our worst. He dies for us as Romans 5, you know, 8, 9, and 10. And so now take that and 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 now view that from the world's standpoint. They know nothing of that. Mm-hmm. There is no there is there is no perspective in the world where you are where you are giving yourself for your enemy. And that's what Paul says in Romans 5. For a righteous man, one might surely die. Let the world would say that. Yeah, yeah. If there's a good man that has saved many people, I might give my life for him. There might be a few people that would say that. That's Paul's point. Right. But for but for the uh, pedophile, for the murderer, who's gonna die for him? Nobody's gonna mm-hmm. say. Yeah, the guy that just has killed my family, my mm-hmm. own children. Right. I'm not gonna die for him. Let him burn in hell. That's that's our world. You know, that's our perspective. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, I'm going to show you love. Yeah. I'm going to die for that. Yeah, I was I was actually looking for the scripture. Uh, most of the scripture that I've learned is from the NIV yeah. version. <laughs> so I was like, what is it? But uh, the I, I think a lot of people, f- you know, fall right into the butt part of yes. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You know, but God yes. shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But before that, uh, verse 6, yeah. and then it's a 4, and then yeah. uh, verse one is a therefore, and yes. as uh, 
uh, R.C. Sproul would say, you know, you got to see what the therefore is therefore. Amen. Uh, but the four in chapter, uh, chapter five, verse six, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And what you were just saying, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall That's we be it. saved by him from the wrath there of God. Go. See it right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so, so the point is, yeah, biblical love is, is driven by sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Biblical love is driven by putting yourself behind the other, mm-hmm. right? Biblical love... At the end of the day, biblical love is always a choice. Mm-hmm. It's always a choice. You are choosing to do this, not based upon the worth of the other person, but based upon your understanding that you are going to give of yourself for them. Because why? Because you love them. Mm-hmm. So it's always a choice. It's always a commitment. And that's why there is no such thing of falling out of love for your spouse, right? Again, that's the world's view of love because the world views love based upon two things. One, how you feel and what you get, mm-hmm. okay? The Bible's view of love is is totally opposite. It's based upon... It's it's based upon not how you feel, but what God's word says. Mm -hmm. And it's not based upon what you get. It's based upon what? What you give. Mm -hmm. So you can see how it's totally opposite of the world. Mm -hmm. And how, again, you start to understand why you have to define these terms and explain them and understand them. And so, yes, so at the end of the day, it's a choice, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to die to yourself for for the betterment of another person, often your enemy. And that's biblical love. Well, that transforms marriages. That transforms family life with children, with a father who's caring for a rebellious child, right? You care for them out of love. Well, you're going to give for your enemy. You're going to sacrifice yourself. You're going to love that child, even in the midst of their rebellion. Doesn't mean there's not going to be discipline and rules and all of that, but there's going to be love. Yeah. Right. Everybody that has a teenager should be listening to this. Yes. But there's going to be love. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're going to keep giving yourself, even, even as they point their finger in your face and as they talk back to you yes you're you're going to put the rules down and the regulation but you're going to continue to love them why because that's a choice you made mm-hmm. and because that's what god's word says and here here you go right flip over to um well i'll just say it in the end of uh, ephesians chapter 4 like verse 32 and in colossians right it's this is how we love one another right and mm-hmm. we forgive one another how what drives us as God in Christ has forgiven us. Mm-hmm. Same thing that John said in 1 John. Beloved, this is how we love. Right. Just as God has loved us this way, let us also love one another. I love it in 1 John 4 when he says, we don't even know how to love. Right. He said, this is love, right? And John's point is, listen, we don't know love. And he says, we don't love God. He loves us. Mm-hmm. And so because of the gospel, going back to the original point, because of the gospel is the demonstration of love, we are then finally and only then able to rightfully and and not even fully, but begin to understand what true love is Mm -hmm. because we view it through the prism of the cross. Mm -hmm. We view it through the prism of Christ. And then as he grows us, we are able to then love one another more. It's one of the fruits of the fact that we are saved. And John says in 1 John, if God loved us this way, so we are also to to love one another. He that doesn't love his brother hasn't been born of God, is not saved. Mm-hmm. Because the one of the fruits of the gospel is you learn how to sacrifice and give of yourself as Christ has done that for you. So now you have a desire to do that for others. And so, yes, absolutely. The love is, is all there. 
but our understanding of it isn't. And that's where we have to be clear. We have to be helpful. And, and that's where seeing the holiness of God, the justice and judgments of God, the wrath of God, and then we're ready to see the grace of God, the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. Through, through the cross. And that's where the cross is so beautiful because the cross is where mercy and love meet. Mm-hmm. It's where grace, right? The grace of God given to the guilty sinner, right? Who doesn't want it. It all comes together in the cross. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. That's why the gospel, as you say, after every podcast is so important and so beautiful. Not just the words that we say, but the but the teaching, the doctrine, the theology, the philosophy that comes out of this beautiful, great news given to us by God. I will say this about the gospel. The the thing that really changed my mind about what the gospel is is understanding who I was and Growing up in the churches that I grew up in, I had a different and and the wrong opinion about who I was. And the reason behind that is because I thought that I had something to do with my own salvation and not just the, you know, asking Jesus into my heart part, but also the sanctification part. Like I was the person that had to do, had to do, had to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize who Jesus was and what he had done. Um, Sanctification is important, not saying that that it's not, but my whole idea of you know, salvation and, you know, uh, the redemption part yeah. of it, the regeneration, mm-hmm. it, it made me think like, well, I have to do this because God needs me to Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. So, um, having but, a clear understanding of who we are is, is, is the best thing. And, and we need to also, that's part of the starting line as well. I, I will tell you without question, I have said it, um, in my study of scripture and my ministry life, you know, um, I have learned, and I and I stand by this. I, I doubt it will ever change. That I think one of the most important doctrines to learn is the doctrine of man. Mm-hmm. I believe I, I believe in every way it is the most important one because in our culture it's the one that is most deviant. It's the one that has gone off course the widest. It is the one that we struggle with the most because we have an overinflated view of ourselves. We are so prideful. We are so arrogant. We are so self-serving. This is the, this is the seedbed of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And especially in America, I, I don't know this. I, I, I don't want to say this is everywhere this way. I mean, man's heart is the same everywhere, but it is an American problem that we have this overinflated view of ourselves and is one of the greatest hindrances to the gospel in our lives. Not simply the gospel by way of redemption, but the gospel by way of sanctification, where we just see ourselves uh, through this prism of we're really not that bad. And the Bible says totally opposite of that. And therefore, when man is not that bad, guess what happens? Christ is not that great. Mm -hmm. But when man is put in his rightful place, which I will admit is extremely hard to hear, Mm -hmm. and and I will say as a preacher, is the hardest thing to preach. Mm-hmm. And I do it virtually every week because it comes up in the text all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be faithful to the gospel, you got to preach the, a humble view of man. And I will tell you, it is hard to preach that because I know what I'm saying hurts, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. And you cannot rejoice in the glory of Christ until you see your depravity. Mm-hmm. And then that's the initial view. You can't grow in the joy of Christ if you don't continue to grow in your understanding of your depravity, 
It never stops. And that's why so many Christians are so fumbling around in such a, such a feeble mindset as it pertains to their salvation and the gospel in Christ, because they're st- continuing to hang on to this overinflated view of themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, Christ is minimized. Yeah. And uh, there's one thing that is extremely important that we understand, and it's about God's holiness. And I'll, we have been basically throughout this entire podcast giving you the gospel, but uh, from a different perspective, but I want to be very clear about it uh, as we move into it now, as we're wrapping up this entire uh, podcast here. We need to make sure that we understand who God is, and God is a holy God. With God being a holy God, uh, that puts us at the opposite end of that spectrum, and we are sinful man. With that being the case, uh, God uh, wanted, and, and his wrath is being poured out because of our sin. Because of our sin, uh we have been separated completely from God. That separation actually was, the gap was closed through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and propitiating or satisfying God's wrath in our stead. Now we should die for our sins because it's, we are sinful and we cannot, we would not be able to see God without, uh, with our sin. Jesus made it, uh, so that we are able to, uh, not just see God, but also uh, his righteousness was counted for us so that even while we're on earth, uh, his righteousness being counted for us, uh, we are able to you know, go through the process of sanctification. But we have to do two things. We have to repent and we have to believe. And with repenting and believing comes a lot of pain uh, because of the fact that we have to realize who we are. And that's what we've been talking about the entire time, sinful man. Absolutely. And in sanctification, the repentance doesn't stop. Yeah. Right? You're regenerated by God's grace sovereignly once, right? You're born again once, but you grow in holiness, you know, throughout the remainder of your life on earth. And that growth in holiness will never happen apart from ongoing repentance, mm-hmm. where you see yourself, you see your sin, and you repent, and you turn from it, and you run back to Christ. It's not that you've lost your salvation if you're genuinely saved. It's that you're coming to a deeper understanding of your salvation. Yeah. And that's why that ongoing confession of sin, that ongoing repentance is so vital. Mm-hmm. And that ongoing wrestling with your sin nature is so vital, and God is kind to show us that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been... Uh a very good question and answer time for the truth talks podcast. This is just the beginning though. I know a lot of people have questions about what we talked about as well. Feel free to email us those questions info at Bellcroft Bible church.org. Uh, this will be a, an ongoing thing with us. We're going to make sure that we answer any questions that you have theologically. And, uh, cause you know, you need to know the answers to those questions so that you can grow in your faith. And that's what we're here for. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Truth Talks podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.